Well, good morning. I want to invite you all to go ahead and take out your Bibles. We're turning to the book of Proverbs. We're going to use a passage in Proverbs to kind of springboard our discussion this morning. As you turn there, I'd like to say welcome. Uh, it's such a, a, an honor to be with each and every one of you and to come together to worship God. And I'm really thankful for Logan's prayer and for what he mentioned in his prayer because he was spot on about the purpose of us being here today. Yes, there are a lot of things that we receive from being here. We do receive edification and we do build up one another. But our purpose here today is to come together for God, to worship Him, to study from His Word, to sing praises to Him. Our our emphasis should be on that. And so let's take everything that that might be in our minds, as I hope we've already done, but make sure that we're going to take those things and put them out of our minds and focus on on why we have come here today. Eric led us in a, a song just a second ago, Blessed Assurance. It's was one of my, my favorite songs, uh, and I really am I'm glad that he chose to lead that song. And, and, and it describes something that, that we, we have. We have this blessed assurance, this blessed hope that we can one day have a, an eternity in heaven with Jesus, an eternity in heaven with God, that He is going to, to take the, the pains and the struggles and the, the sickness and in the sorrows that we have in this life, and, and those are going to be no more. And we're going to spend that glorious day, uh, eternal day with Him in heaven. We have that hope if we are found within Him, if we are found, as we read in Galatians, to be in Christ. And if you've not made the decision to be within Him this morning, I ask you to, to be prayerfully considering that as we go throughout this service, and, and you will have that opportunity made available to you very shortly. But that is not the purpose of, of our, our study this morning. Our purpose is, is focused on what we read in Proverbs 29. Proverbs 29 and verse 22. There we read, An angry man stirs up dissension, and a hot-tempered one commits many sins. We're going to be talking a little bit this morning about anger. We're going to be talking about the causes of anger. And we're going to be talking about how we can overcome and how we can display anger in a healthy and in a, in a Christian way. But before we get just directly into anger, I want to talk a little bit about firefighting. Around 100 B.C., the concept that we have today of firefighting was extremely different. There was a man by the name of Marcus Licentius Crassus, and he developed a monopoly, if you will, on the firefighting market. Marcus a man in Rome, he had a a group of men, some say that was about 500 strong, and at the first cry, the first uh, uh, sight of of a fire, they would all rush to the scene. Now this sounds kind of similar to what we have today. In fact, we would probably be pretty excited if if our home was on fire, or a home in our neighborhood was on fire, and, and a group of 500 men came rushing to the scene of this fire. But what would happen next is a far cry from today's standards of ethics. You see, Marcus would, when he arrived, begin to haggle with the property owner as to a price for putting out this fire. And if a price could, could be come up with, if they could come to an agreement, they would begin what we call today a bucket brigade. They, would, they had buckets made out of rope that were dipped in pitch, and so they would be watertight, and one man would fill a bucket with water and pass it to the next, and they would attempt to put out this fire. But if a price could not be uh, agreed upon, well, they would stand back and they would watch the structure burn. 
They would stand back and let it burn to the ground. And once it was burnt to the ground, Marcus would then offer to buy the property off of the owner for a fraction of what it was originally worth. Now obviously this would not be looked upon very well today. And I'm extremely thankful that today we have the many men and and women who provide services for our country, whether it be the firemen, the police, the linemen, the the EMS providers. Uh, I'm I'm very thankful for all those who serve us and I realize our country would be very different, our lives would be very different if we didn't have people serving us this way. This morning I want to consider just a little bit longer the firefighter. You see, they are trained and they are taught the danger of waiting around when it comes to a fire. We think of some of the great fires in history. We know that Rome was very, very badly burned in early history. And we know that even in our own recent history, Chicago. Chicago had a great fire that burned a majority of Chicago. And then we look at many of the forest fires that we see around even today and even in our own state, some of the bad fires that we've seen in the past uh, in the past few years. And we, and we realize the damage that comes from that, and we wonder what would have happened if things could have been gotten under control more quickly. Would they have been nearly as bad? See, firefighters are trained, and they're taught that the longer they wait, the higher the chance of a fire is of getting out of control, and the greater the danger. They're trained to respond quickly. So imagine for a moment now that you, you're in your home and you smell smoke. Maybe it is your house that's on fire. Maybe you look outside your neighbor's house is on fire. And so you call the fire department. And you tell them there's a fire. You need to come. You need to put it out. And the response you get is, well, just just keep an eye on it. We're in the middle of a root game. A high stakes root game. Just keep an eye on it. And, And when we get done, we'll head that way and we'll see how it looks. I think to that response, I, as long as you, would have to emphatically say, no, that's not okay. No, I would insist that you do something right now. I don't want to see my home burned. I don't want to see anybody else's home burned. I don't want to see it be, to be consumed, to be destroyed by fire. But let me ask you, we have that view uh, uh, and that response to flames uh, in this physical life. What about our response to the flames of anger in our own lives? If we allow it to grow out of control, will it not consume our lives? But not only will it consume our lives, will it also leave a trail of destruction in its wake? This morning I want to consider how we battle this fiery foe. And I want to, t- uh, or want to begin by taking a look at what anger is. Let's spend a little bit of time describing anger. Anger is an irritable emotion. It is one that often occurs when a need, whether it is real or whether it is perceived, is not met. And it shows up in a, in a variety of forms or degrees, if you will. We see that there is a, a degree of indignation when it comes to anger. That is a slow, simmering anger. It is often provoked by some wrong, and it oftentimes feels justified. If you'll consider for a moment you're driving in traffic and someone cuts you off in traffic. You think to yourself, wow, they, they could have hurt me. They could have hurt maybe the people that are, are, are in my car. They are wrong for what they done or what they have done, and I know they're wrong, and you, you, you're angry about that. But we also have a higher level or a higher degree of anger, and that is wrath. Wrath is described as a burning anger. This form of anger usually brings with a desire to avenge. So maybe not only have you been cut off, but now you're looking at that person driving behind them and you start to think, you know, I I really hope as we get around the corner, a police officer is here to pull them over and they get what's coming to them. They're going, I'd love to see them as I come around the corner sitting on the side of the road. Maybe even worse than that, we think I would love to see them in the ditch 
As I come around, they're driving recklessly and they're going to get what's coming to them for the way they acted. Another degree is fury. A fiery anger. Now, you've reached a point where you are no longer thinking clearly. Maybe you tailgate the person who cuts you off. You get right on their bumper. You drive erratically. Maybe you try to pass them just so you can get in front of them and slam on your brakes. That'll teach them a lesson, right? Now, have you no longer, uh, no longer are you thinking, um, or have you lost control of, of, of your thinking, but you're also putting yourself in danger, putting yourself in a situation where you could be hurt. And then the last one that I want to talk about is rage. A blazing anger. You've lost all control. You've gone to the extremes. How many times have we heard it reported on the news where someone died from a case of road rage? Knowing knowing the different degrees of anger can be helpful for us to seeing anger grow in our lives in any aspect. And we need to be watchful for it. Now with with a fire, we think oftentimes the best defense of a fire is prevention. You maybe possibly remember what Smokey has to say about that. He says, only you can prevent forest fires. But the fact is, in life, just like in the forest, sometimes fires are going to get started. We think of a forest fire. Maybe lightning strikes a tree. It's been a dry summer and there's dry leaves on the ground. Some of the sparks hit these leaves. Whoosh! The hills are lit. It's a misconception to think we can completely prevent a forest fire from happening. We can only control the things that we do that causes them. Likewise, it's possible we have some misconceptions about anger. To begin with, one of the first misconceptions I think of is that it's sinful to be angry. If you've heard, uh, possibly you've heard well-meaning Christians tell others that, that, that anger has no place in the life of a Christian. Instead, maybe they say you should practice self-control. And while that is, that is good advice that we should practice self-control, let's consider for a moment if anger truly has no place in the life of a Christian. Turn back to Genesis for a moment. Genesis chapter 1, we read some very, very interesting things about when we were created. And verse 26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. We were created in the image of God. We were created with the likeness of God. That means there are some things about us that are from creation like Him. That also means that, some of the, that many of the emotions we have are emotions that God has. In verse 31 of the same chapter, we see God expressing joy. God saw that all He had made, or saw that He had made, and behold, it was very good. He saw the things that He had made. He saw that they were good. And we know that would have brought joy to Him. But we also see that He can also express sorrow. John, or, uh, Genesis chapter 6, starting in verse 5, says, Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that He had made man on the earth. And He was grieved in His heart. We also see in Exodus chapter 4, the Lord exhibit anger. When he goes to Moses and he tells Moses, go back to Pharaoh, tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And Moses begins to say, well, you know, I don't think I'm the best guy for, the, for this job. There's other people that maybe are more qualified. I, I don't really know what to say and I'm not a very good speaker. And we see in verse 14, the anger of the Lord burned against Moses. If we are created in God's image, we're creating His likeness, then many of the emotions that we have are emotions that were given to us by Him. And just like our recent talk about covetousness, 
Anger in itself is not sinful on its own. Coveting in itself is not wrong. But rather, the misapplied subject of our covetousness is what makes it sinful. If you remember 1 Corinthians 12, verse 31, Paul says to covet earnestly the best gifts. And then he goes on to describe those gifts in chapter 13 as faith, hope, and love, and the greatest is love. In this, we see Paul giving us, giving us the admonition to covet these things. So likewise, anger is not sinful on its own, being that it is a God-given emotion. But rather, it is the way we express our anger that determines whether or not we sin. Now, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26 goes on to talk a little bit more about this. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26, we read, Be angry, <clears throat> Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And do not give the devil any opportunity. So we see these things and we maybe have a better understanding that anger in and of itself is not sinful. Maybe it leads us to ask this next question. Why is it then that when I get angry, I oftentimes feel guilty? Well, let's first examine what the purpose of anger is. Just like Paul tells us in Ephesians, anger is not intended to be a long-felt emotion. In fact, he prompts us to, to release anger before that day is over with. Before the day is through. So instead, we would be better to view anger as a signal. A signal that something is wrong. You have a signal in your car, a warning light, that tells you when something is wrong. The check engine light. The intention of that warning light is to motivate you to take action. Although most of us have become probably pretty used to just trying to ignore it and hoping that next time we turn the car off, it'll go away. But no, it is there to motivate you. Hopefully when that light comes on, it causes you to stop. Maybe you pull into a parts house and you go in and you tell them, my check engine light is on. And they're going to come out and they're going to help you evaluate what is wrong. They have one of these little scanners. They'll plug into your car if, it, if it's new enough. They'll plug into your car and it'll tell you what that check engine light is on for, what it means, and they'll tell you what you need to do to fix it. And then you can take action. You can say, okay, I just need to go out here and I need to tighten up my gas cap. Or maybe you can say, oh, that's a little bit more than, than what I can, I can do on my own. I need to take this car to a shop and let them work on it. But nonetheless, we see, we see the order of events that, that that warning light should cause in our lives. Anger should do the same thing. Consider for a moment over in Mark chapter 3. Consider Jesus and His use of anger. When we think of Jesus in anger, probably we're most often draw our minds to the, clean, the cleansing of the temple. And we, we draw our minds to Jesus fashioning a whip and, and running people out of the temple. But I love the example we have in Mark chapter 3. Starting in verse 1, we're going to read verse 1 through 6. It says, He entered again into the synagogue, and a man was there whose hand was withered. They were watching him to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. He said to the man with the withered hand, Get up and come forward. And he said to them, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath? To save a life or to kill? But they kept silent. And after looking around at them with anger, grieved at the hardness of their heart, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out. And his hand was restored. And the Pharisees went out and immediately began conspiring with the Herodians against him as to how they might destroy him. Mark records for us here that Jesus became angry. It says here, it says in verse 5, that He looked around at them with anger. Now, I don't, I don't suppose in my mind that, that Jesus pulled Mark aside later and said, make sure, make sure you, did you, did you see that? I was angry. Make sure you put that in there that I, that I was angry. 
I believe Jesus' anger was visible. And with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, as Mark recorded these things, he was able to remember the anger that Jesus had. But let's notice Jesus' emotion. He, he, he felt this when He saw the hardness of the hearts of the Pharisees. And just stop and look at what Jesus did in this whole ordeal. The first thing He does is He stops and He looks around and He grabs the crippled man and He says, Come up! As if to make it clear the necessity of what He was getting ready to do. Some translations say, not just that He said to come forward, but that He says to come amongst us. Come into the middle of us so everybody can see the importance of what is about to be done. Let's see that there is a real need here. And then He asks this question almost as if He's asking them, is it lawful to do God on the Sabbath as I'm about to do? Or is it lawful to do evil on the Sabbath as you all plan to do? And yet we see that they rebel against Him. They rebel against the light of Jesus in hardening their hearts. And Jesus, provoked by righteous anger, heals the man. You see, we can be angry and not sin. Only when our anger is likened to that of Jesus's, Being angry at sin. Note that He was grieved for them. He grieved for them because of their sin. His anger was not directed towards the persons. It was not directed towards the individual Pharisees, but rather towards the sins that the Pharisees were committing. Just as God had grieved for their fathers as they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. When we feel anger towards a person, guilt should follow. But when we are angered by the sin rather than by the person, which prompts us to grieve for them and to long for their salvation and to model ourselves after Christ and to motivate ourselves to help, then we are expressing righteous anger. So we know what anger is and we know some of the misconceptions about anger. But now let's take a very quick look at the sources of anger. You see, fire needs three things to exist. I'm sure most of you all know what those three things are. You need fuel. You have to have wood or kindling or something that will burn. You have to have oxygen for the fire to breathe. And you have to have ignition, a spark, a heat source. Similarly, anger is born from sources as well. And, and first, and the most common source of anger, is hurt. When you have felt like you have been wounded emotionally. See, we all have a desire in our lives for unconditional love. And when we feel rejection or really any sort of emotional pain, anger oftentimes becomes that protective wall that we put up to keep people and to keep pain far away from us. Maybe it's a good friend or or a family member either even that did something that, that hurts you. And so you react with anger. Because after all, if you don't acknowledge the hurt, you might just not feel the hurt. Another way that we, that another source that we see of anger is injustice. When we feel like our rights have been violated, we all have an inner code of what is right and what is wrong, what is fair versus what is unfair. And when we feel like someone has violated that code, either towards us or someone we care about, it oftentimes makes us very angry. Now, recently we ordered some stuff online, and when they bring it to the house, they they don't ring the doorbell, they don't they don't knock, they just drop it off by the door and, and leave. So imagine for for a moment that you've ordered something online and and you get home to find that somebody has opened the box up. And not only did they open the box up, but they stole the stuff inside that you had ordered. And not only that, but they left a huge mess all over your yard. The packing peanuts are strewn everywhere, the bubble wrap, and it's raining and the box is now falling apart. And you, not only have you lost what you ordered, but you have to clean this mess up now. You're going to start to feel very wrong. Like there's been a great injustice done. And not just that someone did something wrong, but they did something wrong against you. 
And it's going to very likely make you angry. Another source of, of anger is fear. When you feel like your future is threatened. Fear is a powerful motivator. When you begin to feel worried or angry or threatened because of the change in your circumstances, then you likely are responding to fear. Maybe, maybe changes are happening at home. Maybe children are growing up and are moving out. Or maybe it's you that's leaving home. Or you're just beginning a new chapter in your life and things are uncertain. You're not for sure how things are going to go and you just feel like you're on edge all the time. It's important for us to remember, God has not given us a spirit of fear. And a fearful heart could possibly reveal a lack of faith in God's plan for our lives. But let's also recognize there's one other source of anger that we want to focus on, and that's frustration. When all of our attempts seem to fail. See, we all want to be significant. We all want to matter. We want to matter to those who are in our lives. We want to matter to our friends, to our family members. We want to matter to ourselves. But when we are unsuccessful in meeting our own personal expectations, or when other people don't meet our expectations, these things can threaten our view of our own significance. For example, maybe you plan an exciting weekend for your friends, but no one seems to like the plans that you have made. Or maybe, maybe everybody likes the plans, but things just don't go according to plan. You start to feel like you've failed. You start to feel like you maybe have slipped down a notch in your friend's eyes. You start to feel angry. See, when we understand the source of anger, we can better understand the proper response to anger. And there are right and wrong responses to answer. One wrong response looks like this. It says, based upon how I feel, I believe I have the right to be angry. These are my disappointments, and I will stay angry as long as I feel like, and I will express my anger in whatever way makes me feel better. This response not only allows anger to fester within our bodies like a cancerous sore, but it also ignores some of the teachings which we have already looked at. Turn with me over to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6-7, through 7, we get an outstanding way for us to use our anger, to, to express our anger, or to respond to our anger. 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 6, says, In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have... If, if, excuse me, let me start over. <laughs> in this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. If we respond in light of 1 Peter 1, verses 6-7, maybe our response will look more like this. Jesus is my Lord, and I trust Him with my life. He is my Savior, making it possible for me to be free from sin. But not only is He my Savior, He is my King. I have submitted myself to Him, and that includes my rights. So I'm going to take my disappointments in this life, and I'm going to give them to Him as appointments for His glorious power to be made evident in me. It says instead of getting mad, and staying mad, I'm going to use the things in this life that upset me as opportunities to shine Jesus' light in this world. We do that by resolving our anger. 
unresolved anger is very destructive. It, only, it not only destroys our relationship with God and others, but it robs us of peace. It robs us of contentment of our heart. And somebody we ask the question, how do we resolve anger? Because it's been said that anger is only one letter short of danger. And more than just a clever play on words, these words are truth. Anger can be very dangerous. While not sinful on its own, it can lead us down a very dangerous path unless we learn how to control it and how to tame it. Unfortunately, many people have failed to do this because they confuse resolution with suppression. We need to do more than just push our anger away. We need to do more than just try to hide our anger. Rather, we must release it in constructive manners. One of the first things we should do is we should acknowledge our anger. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 28. Proverbs chapter 28, and look in verse 13. It says, He who conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. We need to ask ourselves, am I angry? We need to consider whether or not we are angry. And then we need to go to God And we need to ask Him to help us to see the anger that might be buried deep within our heart. Look at Proverbs 21 and verse 2. Here, Proverbs 21 verse 2 says, Every man's way is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. We need to be taking those prayers to God to say, You know my heart even better than I do. Help me to see. Help me to see any way in me that might be hurtful. We need to be aware of when we feel angry. We need to make sure that we are not repressing, we are not suppressing anger. And then we need to take responsibility, especially for any inappropriate anger. As we noted before, to be angry without sin means to be angry towards the correct problem. If we have become angry because things just didn't go our way, we weren't happy with the outcome of something, or we become angry at an individual as opposed to a sin in that individual's life, well, then we need to make amends for that. And we need to work on repairing that relationship. This would certainly involve talking to God about our anger, but it would also involve talking with others. Those who are close to us. Not so much about what has happened to avoid gossip, but telling them what we are going through. The feelings that we are struggling with and asking for advice on how maybe they handled that in their lives. Not only should we acknowledge that we are angry though, we should also analyze the degree of anger. Turn me over to Psalm 139. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. We talked about just a moment ago asking God to search our heart. It says, Search me, O God, and know my heart, and try me and know my anxious thoughts, and see if there be any hurtful way in me, and lead me in the everlasting. We need to be analyzing the types of anger in our hearts. Is it an anger that is going to be hurtful? We need to remember those different types of angers. The simmering anger, the indignation, the burning or the wrathful anger, the fiery and the fury, or that blazing rage. Ask yourselves, how often do I feel angry? Is this an everyday feeling? Or is it only under certain circumstances? Ask yourself, do you see a pattern with your anger? Maybe there's something that you can do to resolve your anger on your own end. Maybe the problem is something that you can control. You know, I, 
I hear so oftentimes Christians that complain about maybe things that they see on TV. Things that a program is doing that condones sin and promotes uh, things that are very, very against God's will. And they are so upset that they see these things. And I can't help but wonder why they see these things. Why we don't choose to look at that and say, not only is that something that's sinful and I don't want to see it, but it's something that makes me very angry and I don't need to deal with that. I've got enough things in the world to deal with. I'm going to change the channel. I'm going to watch something else. Maybe there's some way we can resolve the problem on our end. We need to ask ourselves, how do I know when I'm angry? How do I know when I'm angry? How does it manifest itself in me? Does it manifest itself in me with bitterness? Or does it manifest itself in me with action? Or maybe another question we could ask ourselves is, how do other people know I'm angry? Do other people know I'm angry because I, I, I come in, maybe I, I come into work and I sit down and I don't want to talk to anybody and, and I'm going to be very short if I do have to give a response to somebody, a very short response, very snippy response? I need to be asking myself, how do I release my anger? Do I release it in a way that stems from vengeance? Do I release it, release it in a way that stems from loss of control? And if I do that, I need to repent of that. I need to quit doing that and find a better way to release my anger. Another thing we should do is we should assess the source of our anger. We should ask ourselves, does my anger stem from being hurt? Was I rejected? Betrayed? Was, do, I, do I feel unloved? Do I feel ignored? Or maybe, maybe it stems from some sort of injustice. Somebody cheated me. They wronged me. Or maybe they even attacked me in some way. Or do I feel fearful? Do I feel threatened? Do I feel insecure? Out of control? Do I feel powerless? Or maybe I feel frustrated. Maybe I feel inadequate or hindered. Or maybe I feel controlled by some, by some other force. See, once we realize the source, or maybe the sources of our anger, it's possible it could be coming from many of these it might be a good time to appraise our thinking. Look over in Proverbs chapter 21. Proverbs chapter 21 verse 29 says, A wicked man displays a bold face, but as for the upright, he makes his way sure. The God's Word translation uh, translates that first line as a wicked man puts on a bold front. He puts on a bold front, but the righteous or the upright, he makes his way sure. We need to ask ourselves, are we putting on a front? Or are we, are we really considering our ways and making them sure? One way we can do that, we can ask ourselves, are we expecting other people to meet our standards? Maybe men as, or uh, husbands as we get home from work, maybe we have standards that we have placed in our mind of what life is going to be like when we get home from work. We get home from work and we are going to expect maybe the house to be, to be clean. Maybe a, a, a meal to be prepared on the table and our wives to be looking immaculate. But maybe we get home and that's not what we find. Maybe we find a house that is in disarray. Maybe we find children who are running and screaming and crying. And we find a wife who is in the bedroom with a busting headache from the hard work that she's put in that day and dinner is an afterthought. Do we allow those expectations to provoke us to anger? Maybe wives... Maybe we have that same sort, maybe you have that same sort of expectation. Maybe you do put in a lot of work in this, in, during the day, and you, you expect your husband to come home and to walk in that door and to be refreshed and, and, and to feel like he's just woken up and to see the work that you've done and to be ready to praise you and, and to do everything that, that you might truly be expecting. Maybe you have the, the temptation to feel like he ought to notice. 
more the things that I do for Him. Let's make sure that we are not holding others to our expectations. To be thinking more about the way that they might feel as opposed to just simply the way that we feel things should be. Another way we can appraise our thinking is to find out if we are guilty of distorted thinking. Maybe we find ourselves oftentimes making generalizing comments. Comments like, you always think that I'm wrong. Or you never say nice things about me. I think if we probably look back in our history, once we get rid of the blindingness that has been put on us by anger, we will find that we haven't always been considered wrong. And there has been plenty of nice things that are said about us. Or maybe we assume the worst of people. Maybe we say that there's just, there's just no way they will respond to this the way that I would expect them to respond. And so I'm not even going to try. And I'm going to be angry at them because they won't respond. And we see the, the circular logic of that. It makes no sense. The real reason you're angry is because you didn't try. But it's because you were assuming the worst of them. Or maybe we exaggerate situations. If we go back to that idea of someone cutting us off in traffic, and yes, they, they should not have done that. And yes, it is possible that they put you in danger, but did they really put your life in that much danger? Is it really as bad a situation as you have made it out to be in your head? What we need to do, what Proverbs 21-29 encourages us to do, is to make our way sure, especially before we jump to conclusions. Another thing we need to do is we need to admit our needs. Are we using our anger to manipulate someone into doing things that make us feel loved? Or is it possible that our anger is a play to make us feel more significant? Or are we trying to control other people with our anger so that we feel more secure? If we find this to be the case for us, let's turn over to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19. Here we read, And my God will supply all your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now in context, Paul was talking to the Philippians about the giving that they had given to him. When he went to preach in Macedonia, or after he had left Macedonia, he said that no church shared with him except for them in the matter of giving. And he was telling them that God was going to meet their needs, but a very important truth is made for us here. If your anger is sparked by unmet needs, it is possible that you're not looking to the right place to have those needs met. Do we not know? Do we not understand that only Christ can fully meet all of our needs? It is also when you understand this that you can start to abandon those demands. Instead of looking to others to meet your needs, you can turn to the Lord. You know, even when I feel... When I feel like more, excuse me, even when I want to feel more love from those who are around me, even when I'm wanting that and I'm seeking more love from those, I take comfort in the fact that God loves me unconditionally. Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 3 says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I've drawn you with loving kindness. Or Psalm 118 verse 6, which says, The Lord is for me, I will not fear. What can man do to me? Now, I oftentimes feel insecure about my relationships with others. But my relationship with Christ, in it I find security. And even though there's some, some might not meet the needs that, that I really have today, there's so many times when that doesn't happen. Jesus certainly has met those needs. He does meet those needs. And He will continue 
to meet my true needs. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2 and 3 says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you. In the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness, through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. And finally, I'd like to point out that when you feel angry, we need to address our anger. We need to ask ourselves, is my anger justified? It might, I might be angry because I'm not spending enough time looking to God for my needs. But if it is justified, what is the appropriate response? Is, it a, is a response appropriate at all? Exactly how big is the issue really? We need to ask ourselves, will a good purpose be served if I mention this? Will I be building up? Will I be imparting grace upon the hearer? And sometimes we have to understand that it's just best to tell God and leave it at that. To release our anger to God and let Him work within our own hearts and work within the hearts of others in His way. But sometimes a response is merited. Sometimes we must respond and we need to make sure that we do so in a constructive manner. And this involves thinking before you speak. This involves putting some thought and, and taking some time to consider the words you are going to say. And maybe you ask yourself, am I speaking from a heart of forgiveness? Or am I speaking of a heart of unforgiveness? We should avoid statements that attack, such as how could you? Or why? Why can't you? Instead, try to focus on how we personally feel. How things, have, how things that have been done have made us feel. And we're not going to bring up past grievances. One that is so hard it seems for us to do. When we're there to talk about a, a, an anger that we feel, we must remember Ephesians 4 that we're supposed to deal with it in that day. As the very best we can, we're going to deal with it that day. So we are talking about today. We're not going to bring up yesterday. We're not going to worry about tomorrow. Don't expect also the instant you express your feelings that someone is just going to automatically understand where you're coming from. Rather, we need to be patient. We need to continue to be gentle in our responses. And finally, above all else, we need to demonstrate the grace of God within us. Turn to Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. <clears throat> Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me. What does that mean? That means I'm going to place myself on that cross with Christ. And that includes my anger. Even though I may feel angry, I'm not going to allow it to control me. And if it is Christ who lives within me, I'm going to show Christ's forgiveness through me. I'm going to show Christ's love through me. I'm going to show Christ's truth through me. A quote that I read by a man named Aristotle said, Anybody can be angry. That is easy. But to be angry with the right person and to the right degree and at the right time and for the right purpose and in the right way, that is not within everybody's power and is not easy. Well, it may not be easy, but it is certainly within our power to be angry and not sin. Well, remember what 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7 says, God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. 
Let's use that spirit to analyze our anger. Let's use that spirit to respond accordingly. If you want to go ahead and take out your songbooks. In just a moment, we'll be singing number 347. Who will follow Jesus? And we typically use this time as an invitation for those who are outside the body of Christ. And if that describes you this morning, if you have not been baptized, if you've not had your sins washed away and been forgiven in obedience to Jesus, I would encourage you, why not take this opportunity? Why not take this moment to do that? To submit yourself to Christ and be added to His kingdom? But I also want to ask us if maybe we have allowed things to come in between our lives. To become a stumbling, a stumbling block to us. Maybe we have allowed anger to do that. Will you follow Jesus? Will you follow the example that He has laid out for us in His life, that is recorded for us in His Word? We stand ready to assist you in whatever need you may have this morning, if only you would possibly make it known to us. Won't you do so now as we come forward and stand and sing?